Welcome to Sky Women. I'm your host, Dr. Carolyn Moyers, a wife, mom, and board-certified OB-GYN. This is a place to educate, empower, and inspire. Join us each week as we share the power of women's stories. Real women, real stories, real inspiration. Put on your stretchy pants. Let's get going. Welcome, Sky community, to another episode of Sky Women. You are in for a treat today. You guys know I love the pelvic floor. I talk about it. I collaborate with pelvic floor physical therapists. I have had several pelvic floor physical therapists on. It is such an important area of the female anatomy, particularly female anatomy, because I know it's important for men as well. But we have with us a special guest today from the lovely Genesis PT, which is all over the DFW area and right around the corner in our backyard from Sky Women's Health. So we have with us Dr. Corey McGuire. Welcome. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, we are thrilled. So I'm going to just tell a little bit about you. And if if you want to introduce yourself, you can go for that too. (laughs) Did you send me this lovely bio? Yeah. So Corey has a bachelor's in kinesiology, a minor in social sciences from the University of North Texas. And she continued to pursue her doctorate in physical therapy at UNT Health Science Center in Fort Worth, Texas. And she is passionate about bringing awareness to the many unrecognized pelvic health issues people often suffer from, educating her peers on how to educate patients and providers about the many resources available to help these patients to heal, which is why I love you. (laughs) I am here. (laughs) Yes. I know that you are a multifaceted individual. You grew up in Plano. You did cheerleading and gymnastics. And so you're very much into movement. And then you have this additional training specifically in the pelvic floor. So let's talk about this. Your favorite things to diagnose are vaginismus and digestive Mm -hmm. issues like IBS, which, I mean, it takes a special person. (laughs) Like, this is amazing. So give a quick, if you want to say anything else about yourself or tell us what pelvic floor physical therapy is in case this is a listener who hasn't heard the previous episodes about the pelvic floor. For sure. So the pelvic floor in a nutshell is this group of muscles at the bottom of your pelvis, bottom and sides of your pelvis that closes up that hole basically in the bottom of the pelvis and provides stability from the bottom up. It is supposed to be mobile and dynamic. It's supposed to be strong and able to relax. It's supposed to do, be able to do a lot of things, not just kegels. And it can affect literally every normal bodily function that you would like to have. It is affected by our breathing and affects our breathing. It affects our urinary movement, our bowel movement, our sexual function. Obviously, it changes a lot throughout pregnancy and birth, of course, and it is typically affected through a variety of super common injuries. So falling on your tailbone, spraining your ankle, hurting your hip, or even having chronic anxiety or indigestion, bowel issues. Like I said, IBS is one of my favorites and the pelvic floor is typically heavily involved with that as well. So you could go on and on about any of those for a while, but these muscles and the way they work just significantly affects your daily life and the quality of your daily life. I think that's why I find it so rewarding to treat in both men and women. So Right. 
So, I mean, most people don't think about their pelvic floor and they have a hard time understanding how to engage it. And really, you don't worry about it until you have an issue. Absolutely. Nobody wants to be thinking about their pelvic floor. Yeah. (laughs) So when you think about it, when it's causing a problem, Uh this is when we need an expert and somebody like yourself who is really passionate about this. So many women say to me, okay, yeah, Dr. Warriors, I get that, but exactly what is your pelvic floor? And this is when mm-hmm. I bring out my trusty yeah. pelvic floor model. And I'm like, oh, we're Twinkies. You yeah. can see that we're on Zoom and we're both holding up our pelvic floor model that we demonstrate <laughs> with our patients on the daily. So we're going to kind of focus this talk and specifically talk about prepping for birth, pushing techniques and positions, mm-hmm. and then what we can do to start our recovery even right away regardless of whether a vaginal delivery or a C-section. Okay. This is yes. where I kind of want to focus because I recommend pelvic floor PT for all of my pregnant mamas. And so I know this is an area that you have a big interest in. Tell me, how do you help patients prep for birth? If I'm sending them to you at 34 weeks gestation and mm-hmm. we're wanting to prep for birth, what is it that you're doing? And what does an initial evaluation look like with Genesis? So for pregnancy, your initial evaluation is that well, let me backtrack. For any evaluation, you're, it's completely catered to you and what you have going on and what you're comfortable with. So typically, we're going to take some sort of full orthopedic screening assessment. So we look at how you move your hips, ankles, back, how you breathe all first. And then... It's all connected. It's all so connected. Yeah. We look at that all first. Particularly if you're coming in for any type of like leaking, pain, if anything feels off at all during pregnancy, which the women who don't feel like anything is off during pregnancy are few and far between. So that's pretty much everybody. (laughs) Yeah. So if anything is off at all, we're going to be looking at that specifically plus everything else that's going to be playing into that. So we take that big, like, look, your global movements. And then from there, we're going to dive in a little deeper to anything that we see looks like it needs more focus. So maybe your hips don't move as well on one side as they do on the other. Or maybe you have a really funky ankle from spraining it back in high school a bunch of times, high school basketball, high school volleyball, whatever. That's going to affect how you walk. That's going to affect how your pelvic floor moves. And it might have been fine before you became pregnant. Right. So we're going to look at all of that. And then if the patient's comfortable with it, and we typically highly recommend this for pretty much everyone who comes through our doors is we'll do an internal and external pelvic floor assessment. So it's like similar, but different to your gyne assessment. So we are just going to be using a finger to feel the muscles on the outside. And then we're going to be using some lubricant and a glove finger to feel the muscles on the inside and how they move. And we're looking... Just going to pause for a minute. So yeah. I want to make sure that we clarify, yes, it's a single glove finger and it's mm-hmm. not like a cervical exam. You're not it's going not far and deep up vagina. You're not checking the cervix. You're not doing a membrane sweep. You're specifically feeling like the lower third of the vagina and those muscles. Is that accurate? Yes, that is totally accurate. So especially during an initial assessment, we are just feeling like mostly the superficial muscles. And then we're also going to check the muscles that kind of connect to like your tailbone and your hip muscles. You have hip rotators that the pelvic floor attaches to and things like that. So we're going to check how well they are able to contract and relax. Um, If they're super tender on one side or both sides, 
if you have like nerve pain, which we see a lot in pregnancy, we're also going to check comparing side to side. A lot of times in pubic symphysis pain, we see a lot of differences between the two sides and that's what's causing that pain kind of right in the middle. So we just kind of look at all of that and it's always to patient tolerance. So if someone yeah. is really iffy about it or if it's really painful for them, um, since we're not doing like a procedure, we're just doing an assessment, we are just collecting information and we can stop at any time. So that's something I always want my patients to feel really comfortable with is saying like, okay, like no more, this is past my level of comfortable assessment. And then we can just stop because we just need a little bit of information to get you started. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to kind of go from there, see what gets better, what stays the same and continue both those internal and external assessments from there. So it's very mild <laughs> compared yeah. to even like a pap smear. Most people are like, that was so not bad. And I'm like, I know, right? Right. So why do I need to go see the pelvic floor physical therapist? Why is it that Dr. Moyes is recommending that I see Genesis? So you've done this external internal exam. Like how is that going to benefit me? Yeah. So with that information we get from that exam, one, if the patient's comfortable with it, which most people are, because once we find the pain, we'll go ahead and treat the pain internally. So we use the same sort techniques we do for external muscle, fascia, joints to kind of help those areas relax and move a little bit better. Or if they're having trouble contracting, we'll help you learn to contract better. Just Mm -hmm. whatever it is you find you need, we'll work on that internally, Mm -hmm. which is kind of unique to most public therapies. And then also we're going to give you exercises and homework and behavior changes to do between visits. So at Genesis, we typically see our patients at most once a week, sometimes as little as every four or five weeks if pregnancy is going really well. And we will give you stuff to do between those visits that's going to set you up for success and healing at whatever point you're at in there. So particularly for our pregnant moms, we're going to give you a lot of movements to just do on a daily basis. And they're pretty simple. It's like rocking back and forth on the ball, working on your breathing, which is huge for labor. Okay. You want to start that as early as possible. And just kind of making sure that pelvis is moving and expanding correctly throughout your pregnancy. So it's not just like at the 11th hour, we're like, okay, be able to open up and let a baby out. Yeah. So talk about that a little bit more. I mean, talk about the breathing and working on the pelvic floor and what that looks like. And then that'll walk us into pushing techniques and positions. Yeah. Yeah. So again, like you said earlier, a lot of people are not thinking about their pelvic floor, which is fine because if it's working great, then you don't need to think about it. But because most people aren't even thinking about it, we're going to teach them like, okay, when you inhale and you do a big diaphragmatic breath in, your pelvic floor should actually relax down and out. Nothing bad is going to happen if you relax all the way. You're not going to pee your pants or anything like that. That pelvic floor should be able to relax and everything is going to stay right where it's supposed to. We're going to practice linking that with your breathing, relaxing your abdominals, relaxing your pelvic floor altogether. And then as you exhale, the pelvic floor naturally recoils. So you shouldn't have to think about that too much either. If you need a little bit of extra strength in your pelvic floor, like if you're lifting something heavy, we want you to do that on an exhale too, as you would be contracting. But for birth, we want to do kind of the opposite. So we're going to start with like, what's your normal day-to-day while you're pregnant, making sure we're going to help you not leak when you cough or sneeze or lift or things like that. 
And then also just working on that coordination and being able to actually feel what it's doing so that we can progress into what I like to call push practice, what most of us call push practice. It's learning that coordination before you're like in labor of how am I going to let this baby come out of my body without yeah. on my pelvic floor. Yes. I feel like that this is a huge thing. Like I always say that there's a learning curve when it comes to labor Mm -hmm. and we're not learning it until it's time to push. And Mm -hmm. it sometimes takes mamas a while to get, I mean, I see them lifting their butt up off the table. (laughs) I'm like, push into the pain. (laughs) It's like, come to the light, baby. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So talk us through that. Like, what should we be doing to prepare that pelvic floor? Yeah. So we want to practice relaxing and staying relaxed. So typically whenever we're in pain, our pelvic floor contracts. It doesn't matter where the pain is. That is its typical job is to protect us from whatever is going on. And like any muscle in pain, it tends to recoil. And so that's why practicing breathing in, lengthening it and keeping it that way is like a motor skill that's beneficial to work on before you're in pain. Because mm-hmm. um, when we take a big deep breath, the pelvic diaphragm naturally relaxes. Yes, exactly. And so, and there's all kinds of things that birth providers say all the time that are for sure true about your pelvic floor, like loosen the mouth, loose down south, the way you breathe and vocalize and all of those things directly affect your pelvic floor relaxation. Um, So we'll talk about some of those things too, but we're also going to actually feel your pelvic floor and be able to tell you like, hey, you are doing a great job with the contraction part. Now we need to focus on relaxing it all the way. And it's really tricky to be pushing at all with your abdominals Mm -hmm. while you're exhaling, while you're contracting and keep your pelvic floor lengthened. Because naturally our pelvic floor and our core contract together. So when you have right. that mama who's in there and the doctor says, okay, push, the pelvic floor contracts, right? Yes, because yes. anytime you're pushing or lifting anything in life, if your pelvic floor is normal, it should be contracting. This is the exception. Okay. So, so that's how to retrain our brain for this. Yeah. You have yeah. to learn. I compare it to a lot of things. Like it's like snapping your fingers. Everyone can do it, but everybody has to learn to do it. And a lot of times it's kind of tricky until you get it. And then once you've got it, you've got it. Mm -hmm. And a lot of women are also like directed like, oh, just push like you do when you poop. Well, we don't really recommend pushing when you poop unless you've learned how to push correctly because so many people, I'll tell them, I'll test and say, okay, push like you would if you're pooping and their pelvic floor contracts right up. So if that's the only direction you've ever gotten, then you're like, I'm doing it. I'm pushing just like when I poop and that's not going to help. One, it's not going to help empty your bowels. We don't, that's why we don't recommend it, but it's definitely not going to help you labor as easily as might be possible because that pelvic floor is going to be fighting the descent of that baby. So is this a lot of like almost biofeedback, except for you're not doing any nerve testing or strength testing to the pelvic floor, except for with your finger, right? So you're giving the feedback that, okay, now you're relaxing adequately. Now you're contracting adequately. Mm -hmm. Right. Okay. So it looks different, of course, depending on what the patient needs. For some people, they just physically can't relax. Like, especially if you're someone who's having pain, your muscles just 
might not go that way. And that can be for a variety of reasons. So that's why the interventions early, if we can, are so helpful because we can do something about that before it's time for them to lengthen for birth to where being able to relax them feels easy now. But like, if you're doing this at home and you're like, I don't feel anything, that's actually pretty normal. This takes practice to feel what it's doing. Right. And so many people, especially during pregnancy, they're given like Kegels to practice the contractions and things like that. And it is good to be able to feel that your pelvic floor can contract, but your pelvic floor doesn't push the baby out. So having a really strong pelvic floor won't necessarily help you in labor, in labor at all. If anything, I'd rather you have a weak pelvic floor for labor, which sounds super counterintuitive, but we want something that's able to stretch and lengthen well to prevent those significant tearing and significant pain and difficulty with recovery. So I never give out Kegels during pregnancy. I give out functional movements because when you're squatting, hinging, lifting, twisting, all those things you need to do, especially if you have other little ones while you're pregnant too, you're going to be using your pelvic floor and your pelvic floor is going to be strong as long as we've educated the movement correctly. But as far as preparing the pelvic floor for birth, it looks a lot like stretching, a lot like breathing, a lot like manual therapy. And then we do that practicing that actual movement of lengthening the pelvic floor with contracting the abs. So we call it a hug the baby. We need a transverse abdominus around baby. And you'll just see that tummy come in a little bit. So basically what push practice looks like is I'm feeling the pelvic floor vaginally and I'll have them go ahead and do a little push for me and hug the baby. And then what I want to feel, what I want them to get to with practice is that they can hug the baby without contracting their pelvic floor, mm. which is just like snapping your fingers. Once you can do it, you can do it. Yeah. The first time you're ever learning it, you have an epidural. Yeah. You're, oh God, <laughs> you're yeah. in pain, you're contracting. That's way trickier than getting a hang of it beforehand. 100%. And let me tell you what coaching goes on in the delivery room because yes. that's where I'm at. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right, it's time to push your 10 centimeters. Take a big, deep breath. Hold that breath and push. Here we go. One, two, all the way to 10, right? Mm. Big, deep breath. Let's go right back on it again. Nope, hold that breath. Whereas mom's wanting to like scream or exhale. And I know that you guys take issue with this, hold your breath and push. So every woman who's had had a baby has heard this. So what are your thoughts? And what should I be instructing patients in the delivery room? Yeah. So I always say, and this is kind of across the board, there's obviously some exceptions, but for anything strenuous for anyone, I always say the golden rule is don't hold your breath. Because when we hold our breath, our diaphragm freezes. And when our diaphragm freezes, our pelvic floor freezes. And so especially if mom is can't feel her pelvic floor or isn't familiar with her pelvic floor, she's very unlikely to be able to lengthen that pelvic floor like we need her to be and be holding her breath. So, I mean, it just makes me cringe because I'm like, you're just, I knew it would. We call at that point the Valsalva maneuver. Yeah. Even in women and men who have never had babies, what we see with constant Valsalva maneuver is like hernias, prolapses, weakening. Like 
It's just very poor pressure management. And during labor, there's already more than enough pressure. Right. So So we're not helping the pelvic floor at all, instructing to push that way. So how should I be instructing patients to push? I would recommend, like, it is easiest to tighten those abdominals on the exhale. Like, that is a natural recoil. And so I just tell people, like, I want you to exhale and think about opening up at the bottom, like between your sit bones. I want you to think about softening as the tummy tightens. So, and it's all with breathing. So we inhale, it lengthens a lot. We exhale, it contracts a little. That's pretty normal. But that little bit, honestly, of movement should honestly be helping babies shimmy out Mm -hmm. more than keeping them inside. So sometimes if mama is having a hard time feeling that pressure or knowing exactly mm-hmm. what direction to push or where do I need to relax, you know, yeah. especially if they've had an epidural and can't feel that lower half, I will put two fingers, one on each side yeah. of the pelvic floor muscles and say here, right here, this is where push we here. need to lengthen. And this is where we need to push towards. Right. And I feel like Sometimes it definitely helps mamas. Sometimes they're too numb and they don't feel it. Mm-hmm. So we need to turn down or turn off their epidural so they can actually feel the pressure to push. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, yes. And if they can feel and they can tolerate that, that is, I think, the best cue. That's essentially what we're doing too. Is like, okay, this should feel like it is lengthening, softening, relaxing. Mm-hmm. The pressure should be going out this way. If they can't feel it, sometimes I use like imagery where I'm like, okay, imagine this, like blowing up like a balloon. Mm -hmm. So imagine you're inhaling into this space and creating Mm -hmm. an openness where your tailbone should feel like it's falling down. Mm -hmm. Or it's like if they're on, if they're kind of been sitting or supine, your tailbone should feel like it's moving away from the rest of your body. That's a good one. Which then people too are also like, how do I feel my tailbone? But at least it gives them a familiar like model. Yeah. Yeah. And I think if they're seeing you or they're seeing me and we're actually showing them the models and helping them to visualize it with their body, it might make it slightly easier for them to. Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, it's so much different than like flex your bicep. You can see that, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) But we're not really seeing that pelvic floor relax and contract. And so it's a little bit harder to know. It's so tricky. And like, so easy things that can help too is just relaxing other parts of the body. So relax your jaw, helps Mm -hmm. you relax your pelvic floor. Mm -hmm. Not holding your breath (laughs) helps you relax your pelvic floor. I'll have sometimes our feet and our pelvic floor respond to movement together. So I'll have, I'll say, okay, spread your toes Mm while you push, which some people can't spread their toes. So then if they can't do that, we work on that too. But there's all these little cues of things that work with and alongside our pelvic floor that we can kind of use to help. And obviously, to your point, before is better. But you can think, then I also like using some of those because then during labor too, if mom can't feel it's too uncomfortable or the epidural is inhibiting that, they can think, okay, I'm just going to relax my jaw and spread my toe, like relax my hands, relax my feet. Hopefully birth providers getting them in a great position to lengthen the pelvic floor if possible too, which can make it a lot easier. That's something we do. So with push practice, obviously also comes push homework, right? Yeah. So typically we're sending her home to practice pushing, usually on like a Swiss ball, like an exercise ball. Mm -hmm. And with that, while you can feel normally while you're still pregnant, you can actually feel a little pressure while you're pushing with that ball kind of pressing right up against the cranium. Yes. 
Yeah. So it's probably one of my favorite ways to prep. That's how I ask moms to, I don't necessarily tell them to do kegels, but I'm like, we need to work our pelvic floor and we want to relax it completely. And so sitting on that exercise ball and taking that big deep breath and feeling it Mm -hmm. relax and then exhaling forcefully, you kind of feel it contract. That's how Mm -hmm. I have them practice. Just feeling it move. Yeah. Yeah. Those balls are so handy because since it is pressing right there, you can actually, you get that external feedback similar to NPT, you know, we're going to be feeling and assessing too, but we're also like, okay, this right here needs to be softer. And then they're like, oh, okay. I can do that now. Versus if I just say, relax your mouth before, like most people can't do that. Right. Right. So what are your favorite from a pelvic PT perspective, what are Mm -hmm. your favorite positions for pushing a baby out? So it obviously depends on like where they are in labor. I always, we give them a handout of possible positions. These are a bunch of things you can try. And I always tell them whichever one your body is leaning more towards, whichever one feels best for you is probably the one that's right for you. Unless your birth provider needs you to do something else or there's something going on, then obviously do whatever they're telling you okay. uh, to get you safe. But positions, anything where the tailbone can move more freely is what we recommend to protect the pelvic floor. Okay. So lying flat on their back in McRoberts position with me. Not ideal. Not ideal. But yet in America, that's how we have our mama's push. Yes. It is probably the worst position for your pelvic floor. If you absolutely have to be on this in this position, you can cushion your tailbone or take like towels or pillows and put them under your low back and kind of under your glutes to lift your tailbone off the table. Okay. If you have to be in that position for some really, really important reason. <laughs> okay. So in the United States, this is typically how we see women have an epidural. The nursing staff is just much more comfortable with them on their back. Doctors mm-hmm. are accustomed to catching babies with mama on their back. But Mm -hmm. having worked with the midwife population over the last eight years, I see mamas wanting to deliver standing and swimming Mm -hmm. and on all fours. And I'm like, oh, okay. I have to reorient myself sometimes to catch a baby. But when mom has an epidural, Mm -hmm. what would be your preference then? As kind of cushioning their tailbone to allow them some flexibility and movement? Yeah. So with an epidural, I always tell moms in general before they go into labor, like, don't be shy about asking for help. You are the star of the show. The yes. more help people give you, the quicker you're all going to get in and out of it. Yes. So with an epidural, you can do a majority of the same positions, like on your hands and knees, you're just going to need something underneath your upper body. Or you're gonna, if you're in the hospital, you're going to probably need to elevate the head of the bed so you can hold on with your arms or get, I love for epidural, probably the easiest one to do in the hospital is like on your side and maybe get like a peanut ball between the knees or something like yes. that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Our so, nursing staff is really good about doing that. And also I've had mamas just kind of almost in a slight recline. So they're almost, almost sitting upright, um, maybe back at 30 to 45 degrees. Um, so they can relax between contractions, but sometimes, you know, we're using gravity to help push. Yeah. Well, so upright or on your back, isn't bad. It's having your tailbone upright is great. Honestly, it's having your tailbone compressed to where it can't extend because all of our pelvic floor muscles attach to our tailbone. That's fair. They can only stretch so far forward. And that tailbone is designed to extend backwards as you inhale. Mm -hmm. 
So I love that did you bring this up because most people think of their pelvis as this mm-hmm. fixed unit. And it's actually not. We have two separate denominants and a sacrum mm-hmm. that floats between the two. And so I think that's really important for people to know that there mm-hmm. are ligaments and muscles that help to attach that, but it's actually more free floating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the sacrum can move quite a bit, especially in birth. And that toxics can extend all the time. Like yes. even in a normal non-pregnant person who doesn't have a lot of relaxant or anything like that, that coccyx and that sacrum should be extending as you inhale anyway. So I usually yeah. in the treatment, I'm going to grab my pelvis and talk to my patients about how we want to be in a position where this can open up towards the back easily. Cause mm. that's what's going to let baby's head come up right on through your pubic bone. That is what we call a symphysis joint. And it is not designed to stretch. Yes. <laughs> it's not yes. to move a whole, whole lot. And that's why yes. it's painful during pregnancy. And honestly, if someone has pain up here during pregnancy in the pubic bone, I'm one of the first things I'm going to check is the tailbone in a secret. Yeah. Because this is where we should stretch, not here in the yes. front. Yeah. Absolutely. Agree. So. Agree. <laughs> okay. So I had a, a patient who came in who was seeing me for osteopathic treatment and pregnancy and had the question about, should I try for a vaginal birth after C-section, which she had already mm-hmm. had this discussion with her primary OBGYN, but she just really wanted kind of a second opinion. Mm-hmm. And we talked through it and she basically was really hoping that from an osteopathic standpoint, from a musculoskeletal standpoint, I could give her some reasoning and some hope that if mm-hmm. she didn't have a gynecoid shaped pelvis, that we could help to mobilize that sacrum and she could potentially have a vaginal birth after cesarean. Mm-hmm. And she tells me her birth story and the first baby she got to complete and she pushed for six hours and had a C-section for a rest of descent. So after all of that pushing, mm-hmm. the baby did not come down through the mm-hmm. pelvic inlet. So in that case, I was like, I cannot make that better for you. You probably do need a repeat scheduled C-section. Mm-hmm. And she was like, oh my God, if this had happened in the 18th century, like we would have died in childbirth. And I'm like, yeah, you probably would have. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we can do so much with musculoskeletal, yeah. right? But sometimes that we're not going to be able to change the shape of your pelvis, the natural shape of your pelvis. We can optimize mm-hmm your pelvic health, your pelvic floor, the mobility of your hips and your pelvis, right? We're not going to be able to change that, right? Not everybody has birthing hips. (laughs) Okay. So what can a mom do in the postpartum period? If she's like, gosh, I mean, waiting six weeks to start this recovery just seems torturous. I want to do something for myself. What can I do? What's safe? Yeah. So we talk a lot about the breathing, like I said, during pregnancy. And that is the number one thing that I recommend people start as soon as they feel able. So I don't want to put any, I don't want to put one more thing on mom's plate when she's yeah, going totally. to a newborn baby, needs to worry about bleeding, those sorts of things, infection. But if you are feeling well enough and kind of antsy to get started feeling a little bit more like yourself, what we can do is kind of start to wake those muscles up. And so we're not going to be doing anything super strenuous at all. I want everyone to take it very easy for at least two weeks. No, mm-hmm. nothing lifting heavier than your baby if you can help it. 
focusing on your breathing. And like I said before, inhale, you should feel a slight relaxation. Exhale, you should feel a slight recoil. We're not even trying to do like kegels or anything or big strong contractions. I just want you to feel your pelvic floor and your core being there. (laughs) And you can start with like really gentle upper body stretches, honestly, can help your body start to feel like it's getting back to normal too, because we change all the way up to our rib cage during pregnancy. And so we'll talk about doing some gentle thoracic rotation, like a really gentle thread the needle, like neck stretches, things like that to feel a little bit more normal. And then Mm -hmm. usually around like two weeks, as long as all is well, they're not having any crazy bleeding. Stitches aren't an issue if we have any of those. We'll progress to a couple more gentle movements, like maybe like a cow with breathing. It's like a little body weight squat to whatever they're comfortable with. So again, nothing strenuous. We're not trying to get the heart rate up. We're trying to return to functional movements and feel a little bit normal while doing it. And really the breathing is the key to that. So that's super safe. You can start it right away. But like I said, like behind, if it takes you like a week to feel like you can think about it and have like the mental energy for that. Right. Like when (laughs) you're ready, if you're ready, if you're anxious, then we do have some things you can do. And yeah, I think retraining the the pelvic floor muscles after birth is really key. And especially as this whole bounce back Culture is just ridiculous. I mean, at six weeks, structurally, you may be healed, but Mm -hmm. we're not there yet, mom. So, I mean, if you're ready to have sex, fantastic. But some people still are quite anxious about having intercourse, having penetrative sex at the six-week mark because, well, an episiotomy or or a tear, Mm -hmm. a midline tear may structurally look intact. There will be soft tissue (laughs) changes and and swelling and and some irritation. Mm -hmm. So if we don't work on relaxing and kind of retraining that pelvic floor, that's where we can start getting into some pelvic floor dysfunction, some hypertonicity, some vaginismus, pain with intercourse and things like that. So we want to make sure that we are really aware of that pelvic floor engaging it, strengthening it and relaxing it. Yeah. I think the notion of like, Oh, just go home and do your keyboards and you'll be fine. I just has done a lot more harm than good because what we really see more often than not just clinically is that postpartum people are weak and lengthened, obviously early postpartum. And then most people swing towards the opposite direction where your pelvic floor is just compensating by really clenching all the time, especially if you have any painful scar tissue, like you said, especially if your kiddo is heavy and your pelvic floor isn't strong enough to really support Mm -hmm. your trunk yet. And yet you're having to carry baby around. Yes. Can we just (laughs) talk about that? I mean, the fact that in the postpartum period, you have this baby and a car seat and all the things that you have to lift and diapers to change and babies to lift out of a crib and all of the strollers and apparatuses, right? Yeah. Your core is weaker than it ever has been. And so I really want us to emphasize that our core abdominal strength, our hip strength, and our pelvic floor is all interrelated for us to really function in our own strength. And personally, mm-hmm. being a mom of four, I can tell you that that I am still, I'm four years postpartum after four mm-hmm. babies, but I am still working on my core and finding my strength and feeling strong. And you know, that impacts 
so many things, even your mm-hmm. level of intimacy, right? Yeah. If you're not strong in your core and you're lifting all these children, right? And you get that mom, mm-hmm. the, the typical mom stance where you've got a baby on your hip and you're just all, yeah. you know, you got the big, the big swag out. You're holding mm-hmm. baby to the side and you're not engaging your core in any way, shape or form. So mm-hmm. I think that it really takes effort. It really takes a concerted effort to engage those core muscles again, holding baby to prevent creating more pain, more dysfunction, more misalignment, right? So thank you for what you do. I think this is phenomenal. (laughs) I appreciate you addressing this very topic today. I really do want to chat again about pelvic floor dysfunction and vaginismus because at Sky Women's Health, we are now offering Botox to the pelvic floor, Botox for the vagina, for those cases that are retractive to pelvic floor physical therapy, which would always be my first line Mm -hmm. treatment for vaginismus Mm -hmm. and pelvic floor dysfunction. Yeah, I love vaginismus is one of my favorites, like I said earlier. Okay, so um, that's it for today. You can find us on all social media platforms at Sky Women's Health, and you can find me at Dr. Carolyn Warriors. Where can they find you, Corey? Yeah. So my personal professional Instagram is Dr. Corey, the pelvic PT. And then like you said earlier, I do work at Genesis. So you can find me there on that Instagram as well. It's just Genesis PT wellness. And we have a lot of fun with all of us here. So you can find me there. And I'd love to chat with y'all, meet you, answer any questions. Absolutely wonderful. Well, thank you so much, you guys. If you're in the Fort Worth area, Genesis PT is a fabulous option for pelvic health and they have a lovely location. It is really, I just wanted to stay. I was like, can I bring my (laughs) practice to yours? Because (laughs) I love it here. (laughs) So it's a good vibe. You will not regret it. So, all right. Until next week, be well and take care of your pelvic health. All right, Sky community, thank you for listening to another episode. This episode was sponsored by Sky Women's Health. As a reminder, we're in the Dallas-Fort Worth area and we help relieve back pain and pelvic pain in pregnancy and beyond. If you are pregnant and having pain and you feel like you have no reliable way to relieve it, look us up at skywomenshealth.com, request an appointment, and we'll call to get you scheduled. As a board-certified OB-GYN with a Neuromusculoskeletal Medicine Fellowship, I help you realign with hands-on drug-free treatment and relieve pain on the spot without medication. We'll help you maintain these results through your pregnancy and postpartum period. Every pregnant person deserves this, and we are so excited to serve you. You can find us on our website, as mentioned, or on social at Sky Women's Health, or you can call the office at 817-915-9803. That's it for today. Until next week, be well.